Hello, and welcome back to the Security Metrics Podcast. I'm Jen Stone. I'm one of the principal security analysts here at Security Metrics. And today I'm very excited to have with me uh, Thomas Kinsella. Thomas is the co-founder and COO of security automation company Tynes. Prior to starting at Tynes, uh, Thomas ran the security operations team at DocuSign, growing it from two to 30 people responsible for incident response, threat intelligence, security infrastructure, fraud, and more. He also worked in technical investigations in eBay and PayPal and in professional services. At times, Thomas is primarily responsible for the pre- and post-sales engineering function. He has a degree in management science and information system studies from Trinity College in Dublin. So obviously, we have some very technical things. We're going to try and keep it so that our whole audience understands, but we might go a little deep dive. I'm not sure. Thomas, really happy to have you with us today. With your security operations background, I think we're going to learn a lot from you. I've been looking forward to it for a long time. Thank you very much. It's great to be on, Jen. Can you tell me a little bit more about Tynes before we get started? Yeah, sure. So Tynes is a security automation company. So we're a very easy to use, no code platform that allows analysts and engineers, people that work in security to automate their repetitive manual processes. So things like uh, responding to antivirus alerts or phishing emails, uh, SIM alerts, suspicious logins, all those sort of things, the processes that take a lot of time that I'm sure we'll be talking about during the podcast. We've got a very easy to use platform uh, that people can yeah get started on and automate their own processes. And it sounds like uh, your background in security at some of these other organizations probably positioned you for a deeper understanding that's, that, that makes this uh, a meaningful work for you? Yeah, very much so. I spent a long time working in security operations, uh, working in SOCs, and yeah, learning how to do things and sometimes how not to do things as well. Uh, and it was really there that we felt some of the pain uh, of that a lot of people feel. Uh, so, you know, too much, too much work, not enough staff, that sense of inevitability around incidents. And we said one of the answers, not the only answer, but one of the answers is probably in security automation. So we looked at a lot of different platforms. We didn't really like them. And we said we thought we could do a better job. Uh, and now, yeah, Tynes is four years old. We've got like loads of very, very happy customers uh, from small you know, startups all the way up to incredible security companies and Fortune 5s with hundreds of thousands of employees uh, using the platform to automate a load of different tasks. So it's, well, uh, yeah, it's, it's the, been a fun the, ride. Um, your support for, for the SOCs, the SOC, of, of course, uh, as a lot of people know, is the Security Operations Center. And the Security Operations Center, as a security analyst, the, the team from the SOC is a lot of the group that I will talk to about their security that, that underpins compliance that, that I tend to review. And so um, really enjoy talking to people in that space because I, I find a lot of interesting things happen from the security operations standpoint that give insight into what's really going on uh, in terms of network traffic, in terms of, you know, how people are interacting with uh, an organization. Yeah, it's it's very, it's very interesting. The people that are on the front line, they have such incredible visibility into what happens. And because of their jobs, they're kind of forced to, like when an alert goes off, investigate it with very little information almost. So as a result, right. they pick up a lot of intelligence and a lot of understanding about what's actually happening. They don't know all the time what's supposed to be happening. So if you're talking to them, they can be, uh, especially in compliance, they can be a, a fountain of truth, even if that's not always in the, the interest of the company that you're, uh, <laughs> that, you're, that you're talking to, that they can reveal a lot. But they also know those processes. They're yeah. very familiar with like how things are done because that's the, because that's their job. So they're, they're yeah, they're, they're extremely, not often, uh, they, don't, they don't always have a lot of qualifications, but they're extremely smart and they've got a really tough job. 
Right. And do you know, I like that you said that, that the, the idea that there aren't always a lot of qualifications for a security operations professional, because a lot of times people ask me, how do you get into cybersecurity? What's a pathway in? What is an entry-level job? Do I need a degree? Do I need certifications? But the Security Operations Center, the SOC analyst, is really a place where you can have little um, background, little um, training, and be put in a position where you can learn those things on the fly and really develop knowledge quickly because of that position. Yeah, you can learn a lot and you can come into it from a bunch of different roles, right? So you can come in straight out of college, you can come in from uh, like an IT role, for example, or even a compliance role where you're exposed and you say, actually, this is this is really interesting. I want to be more on the operational side of the house. But we do see a lot of people come in from yeah from IT where they're they, they develop a little bit of a curiosity around, hey, what's actually happening in the in the yeah. security world? And if you know much about the, the cybersecurity world right now, it's really, really hard to hire good people. There's yeah. a lot of turnover. And as a result, it's somebody that's, you know, that's smart and has a bit of tenacity about them is working in IT and says they want to work in the SOC. The, the security team will usually say, absolutely, come uh, come aboard and, right. uh, and welcome them with open arms. So there's, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a nice route in. Uh, and if, if you find the right organization and they treat you well, it can be a really rewarding job as well. Definitely. That that comment about um, high turnover, there's a lot of reasons for high turnover, but I think that um, uh, Tynes really to, went the extra step to find out what's going on in the SOC world, how do people feel, and, and why. This is what really um, spurred some interest in talking to you was the survey that you put out. So um, end of 2021, uh, Tynes surveyed security analysts working at companies with more than 500 companies. I found the results not just interesting, but actionable. And so yep. I wanted to have you um, come on and talk about it. Let's start with the basics. Um, when, you, when you said you interviewed security analysts, what did that really mean? What do these people do? Yeah, so these are people that are working in security operations or in a SOC. So specifically, people that are responding to alerts or responsible for building out detections on their uh, on their team. So uh, they're usually responsible for yeah, responding to those SIM alerts, responding to those antivirus or those EDR alerts, uh, and following that process of investigation to a resolution. So they can be tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, things that you'll hear about if you're in a SOC. But really, they're just the people that are on the front line that are building out uh, and responding to those uh, those alerts. And did you have any insight into what level of uh, threat investigator, the level of SOC analyst responded to your survey? Yeah, so there was, a, it was a, a, like pretty pretty all over. So we had uh, 50% were level three, I think 30% were level two, 20% level one, or there was a few others in there that didn't uh, didn't quite follow that follow that model. So some were very, very senior, uh, or like see, they're not always very senior, but some were, some were quite senior, had uh, like several years of experience and some were relatively, uh, relatively junior, but they also came from all different levels of the organization as well. And all different, uh, like all different organizations. All right. And so a, a lot of the organizations that we work with um, at Security Metrics, they don't have their own SOC. Some of them do have their own SOC. Yep. Some of them don't have, some of them, you know, as they're trying to grow and expand that they look at, you know, should we have our own SOC? And Security Metrics actually offers a third-party SOC. Like, so there's different ways for a SOC to work with customers, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's why I said it's like it's not just a SOC. It's like anybody that works in security operations or those people responding to alerts. So you don't have to have your own SOC. It could be that you work on the incident response team or you're the only person on or a junior person on the uh, on, on the security team that is responsible for uh, for responding to those alerts. Um, so, yeah, that, that they were the people that we surveyed. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of different there's a lot of different ways of interfacing. A lot of people have as you say, uh, like those managed service providers or those uh, outsourced SOCs. And then some people decide, yeah, actually we want to, this is a core competency and we need to take it a little a little bit more seriously or we've got custom detections or an environment that's a little less standard. And as a result, they'll uh, they'll build an, in, an in-house SOC or they'll build a security team internally responsible for yeah, building out those alerts, building out that infrastructure, building out those detections. So so as a, as a security analyst, um, the work that they do, is it typically just responding to alerts or what kind of work do they how do they spend their time yeah i think uh I, I think they'd love to spend more time not just responding to alerts in reality i suppose responding to alerts and then like writing up the, the the results so writing up the reports and things like that is where they spend a lot of their time so creating tickets triaging so you know copying and pasting your ips into your threat intelligence tool to see is it good or bad looking up a hash to see it or maybe analyzing some malware to see is it bad but I think the way they should, if they're uh, you're hiring, you're hiring like paid, like very like like qualified security professionals, and as they as they learn more, they've got a ton to add. The things they'd love to be doing is developing new detections, right? Uh, integrating new log sources, researching to- like techniques and procedures and tactics, uh, updating documentation, investigating better threat intelligence. All that sort of stuff uh, is the stuff that they that a, that a SOC is usually responsible for. The, again depending on the level and depending on the on the team but in reality they spend a lot of their time uh, a, lot, a lot of tools these days a lot of security tools generate a lot of alerts and they can spend a lot of their time frustrated dealing with too many um get too many noisy alerts that are causing them problems right that's actually I hear that as well even as um, um, you know looking into compliance one of the things that we look at is is uh, you know how, how does your how do you respond to alerts? And typically, that's where we hear a lot of pain, um, is that they they know that there's ways that they could bring more value to the organization from a security standpoint, but they're spending all their time doing stuff that they don't feel is really taking them there. Yeah, it's 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 really hard. It's really hard and very frustrating. Like I worked in I worked in an, uh, an environment like that, and it's not that you don't have like. Uh, you're, you're not being given resources. It's that the better you get at detecting, the more you have to respond to. If you buy a new tool, all of a sudden that new tool is going to be generating alerts. So you can quickly become overwhelmed. And even, even if you're on top of things, right, there can just be an incident and or maybe it's a new vulnerability like Log4j or something. And now all of a sudden it's all hands on deck and oh wait, you were already like full, you already had your hands full. So now it's nearly impossible to, to stay on top. And of course, what you really want to be doing is you really want to be improving the like like uh, yeah, adding actual value to se- your security program, improving the risk posture of your organization, plugging holes, building better detections, like preventing things from happening. But because you're overwhelmed, it's very hard to focus on that. So before we dig into the the results of the survey, I re- I wanted to ask: Do you feel like the, the people who responded? Do you feel like they were? Um, uh, reflective of the industry at large like the 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 types of demographics did you capture a good yeah we did they they were so so there were were 500 respondents they were very broadly uh very broadly 
reflective of uh, of the industry. I think there were 55% male, 45% female or so, which is probably a little bit uh, over-indexed on female, unfortunately, uh, even in uh, even in that. Um, I think 45% of the people that responded were in technology, 10% manufacturing, 8% finance, which is, again, about right in the industry. And then in terms of company size, I think we had about 50% that were in companies below 1,000, uh, 30% between 1,000 and 5,000, and 20% above 5,000. So it was very reflective of uh, of the industry, especially industry with security teams, right? Uh, so we're not trying to capture those, unfortunately, uh, those, those teams that don't have uh, don't have anybody working in security operations. But yeah, it was uh, it was broadly broadly speaking reflective of the overall security uh, security industry. Okay, so a, a lot of the survey was like. How are people feeling? <laughs> and um, I know I personally have have colleagues who have worked as um, security analysts and left the industry because it was it was exhausting and they felt that it wasn't um, the kind of work that they wanted to do. Did your did your survey reflect that feeling? Yeah, and the reason I think the reason we set out to, to exactly that the, the reason we set out to, to to do the survey was because that was what we felt like that we felt that we were hearing both anecdotally and seeing among our network that a lot of people were leaving and a lot of people were unhappy and a lot of people were burnt out and that a lot of people were planning on leaving their jobs. So that's that's why we started it to see like is this actually is this actually true and is there anything that we can we can do and we'll talk about that in a in a few minutes. But yeah, you're right. It, it really did. Uh, reflect that people were unhappy. I don't want that to be the only cut, though. So th- there were some there were some really interesting takes. So so one is that like sixty nine percent of people were actually happy, uh, or sorry, satisfied in their jobs. Sixty okay. percent, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, sixty eight percent were engaged. Sixty nine percent feel respected. So there's actually there's a lot of positivity. I think security professionals they do feel like they're they're doing a good job. They're they're motivated. They're doing the right. The right thing and they're they're saying actually you know i'm i'm, I'm on there's a lot of um uh i suppose positivity in the security world that you know you're you're making a difference but there was just a huge amount that said exactly that that said they were they were burning out so 48 percent, almost 50 percent said they were very burnt out and another 23 percent said they were somewhat burned out and then even worse than that was what you were saying so 65 percent of people respondents said they planned on leaving their job in the next 12 months because of that burnout because they were exhausted because they just couldn't uh, they couldn't stay on stay stay on top that's a huge figure and mm. it's not going to be that people are going to leave it's just that they intend to leave they're going to be looking that they want to uh, want to move on yeah. and that's it's very worrying for an industry that's already struggling oh yeah that that's not, a terrible that we're number. not able to yeah we're not able to keep people uh, keep people happy and to yeah to, to treat them right i suppose so this it kind of it behooves us uh, like security leaders and people that are in positions mm-hmm. of authority when we're hiring and more importantly when we're yeah looking looking to retain those staff, it behooves to, to take action. And I think that knowing why people are frustrated and burned out is is going to help um, resolve the frustration and burnout, right? Because if you don't know what's causing it, how, how do you address those root, root causes? So what did you, uh, what do you think causes the frustration and burnout? I think there's it's some of the some of the some of the results were, were unsurprising. The, the first one, 81% of teams said they or respondents said they thought their team was understaffed. So that's the that's like the the first the first thing. Uh, Two thirds of analysts are doing way too much manual work and say they that that computers could do fifty percent of their jobs. But I think the other part about it is that kind of as you pointed out, when you're responding all the time, 
defense is really hard and it's really demotivating when you're just responding and you're not able to get on an attack. It's like if you're, you know, if, if you're the team that you're supporting is just, you know, on defense all the time, it's like it doesn't feel very good. Even if you're not letting in any goals, even if you're not getting breached, and plenty of people are getting breached, but even if you're not getting breached, it's not motivating because you don't feel like you're getting better. It just feels like that the inevitable is going to happen. Right. So I think there's there's a lot of frustration with that. There was a lot of other things like too many false positives, uh, too many consoles to look up, too many tools, inaccurate and incomplete data. But the big thing, yeah, just uh, they're they're understaffed and they're they're dealing with too many uh, dealing with too many alerts. Yeah, I I can see that's that jibes directly with what I see in just talking with people in the field who are are currently doing the a security analyst job um, hands on. In addition to that, you know, understaffing and and just fighting, it feels like a Sisyphean effort. You know, just pushing yeah, that that exactly that that's a great boulder idea, up great the hill, price. right? Yep, so. Um, I'm take that time. <laughs> were there other things in the survey that, that could help retain talent? Yeah, so I think you have to read between the lines a little bit, but yeah, absolutely. The, the, the two things, there were three things that stood out. Um, the first was that we're doing a good job of insecurity of measuring things like mean time to detect, mean time to respond, mean time to investigate, but we're not really doing enough to measure how our team are doing. Uh, so I think it's really important if you want to retain your staff and there's a lot of, a lot of CISOs and a lot of directors and a lot of security teams that are doing a good job at this, but there's not enough that are saying, Hey, how many times are our team being called on weekends? How many time are, yeah. are like, how many times ha have the team been woken up? How many times, like who, who's taking their holidays? And I think if we start measuring that, tracking that, forcing people to do that, um, you'll get a team that are like, have more focus on their mental health, really, really important. Mm -hmm. uh, but also that are a little bit more satisfied that actually they're being looked after. The second thing that was uh, brought up a lot was that security operations when you're on the defense is just not that enjoyable all the time that yeah. you kind of have to but it's not to say that it's not to say that it's like it can't be fun it's that when you're doing the same manual tedious and the word manual came up a lot manual tedious task over and over again that's not fun so i'm talking about like creating the same ticket for the same user five times yeah uh things like yeah copying an ip address and pasting it into your thread intel tool and seeing is it bad but if we remove if we like remove that job, allowing people to have more fun, like actually investigate the the incident, go a little bit deeper to understand the TTPs, try to find out what brand of malware this is, see if they can find out more information or attribution about the phishing attack. That's really uh, that's really positive. And the third thing that came up was around automation. A little bit unsurprisingly, I think that if you focus on automation, you're able to remove a lot of that manual tedious work mm -hmm. and allow people to move on to more impactful risk reduction efforts. Right. Uh, it's the it's the constant copy paste or the constant doing things that you've done 16 times over that can be really wearing on a person. Yeah. And just demoralizing that you're like, this is not like I didn't go to university or I didn't train or I just don't want to be spending my time doing this. I, I, I'm a human being who wants to add right. value uh, and, and I want to learn. You're not learning when you're doing that. But if you mm -hmm. if you enable people to like feel less burnt out, to take their holidays, if you enable them to make the process a little bit more fun, own it themselves. And if you remove that just tedious task that can be automated, I think that's a recipe for a recipe for happier teams and uh, teams that will stay for, stay for longer, work harder. Uh, and yeah, just generally it's the right thing to do for your, for your staff. Right. So tedious manual work. I 
100% agree is the issue because I felt that myself when I was in operations and I see it still constantly with the people that I work with. Um, so I can, you know, I definitely uh, sing from that same choir sheet. This episode is brought to you by Security Metrics Shopping Cart Monitor Inspect. It's a revolutionary new product that can help you detect any problems with your shopping cart security, allowing you to effectively improve your e-commerce security. Here's what I know about it. A lot of times people say, well, hey, I am PCI compliant because I passed my SAQA. Great. You're missing most of the things that people are actually stealing information from right now. Shopping Cart Monitor was created to actually close those gaps and help you against things like MageCart and other known e-commerce issues. To learn more about this Shopping Cart Monitor, head to our website, securitymetrics.com. I know that I told you you shouldn't do a sales pitch thing, yep. and I'm going to tell everybody, I this this is literally what your company does. This is literally why I asked you here. And so I want you to talk about automation, not just generally, but also what you do, uh, understanding that this is this is how Tynes does it. And and uh, I apologize to the people who, who find this uncomfortable, but there are lots of people who want to know where do I go to get this kind of a solution to help me out with it, because not everybody knows how to write their own scripts. Not, on, not everybody knows how to, to automate things on their own. Most people don't, as a matter of fact. And that's where you come in. Absolutely, yeah. And thank, thank you for thanks a for giving me the opportunity, but b yeah for for prefacing it. So we're, I'm a I'm very much a soft seller. My marketing team don't uh, don't like that, but at the same time, I, I think look, I'll say there's there's a lot of tools out there. A lot of them do a really good job. So if you want to check out Times, check out Times. But there's also plenty of other tools out there that do uh, that, that can can do similar uh, similar things. And um, yeah, th- I think the point about it is that if if you look at a a no-code automation tool like Times, what you can do is you can find that those manual process uh, processes of like responding to an alert, so copying and pasting an IP address and looking it up in your Threat Intel tool, finding all the related data and adding it to a ticket. Maybe it's analyzing a phishing email, so extracting the URLs, uh, analyzing them in a, a sandbox or something like that. Or even if it's just like, uh, like investigating a, a suspicious login by contacting a user, all those manual steps that you would take uh, if you were doing that process by hand, or if it's an analyst, they're very simple to to automate. With Tynes, we make it very very simple. Uh, we've got a like very quick, easy to use uh, interface that basically like anybody that's knows the process is able to automate it. You don't have to be a developer. You don't have to be a coder. And also, it's uh, it's yeah, it's very very reasonably priced. It's free for the first three use cases as well. If you just go to Tynes.com. Um, but I, I think the the point is that there's a lot of people, as you say, they feel that there's a barrier that they don't really know where to go. But in reality, there's a lot of opportunity out there uh, to take so much work off your plate and allow your analysts and engineers, even if you have a very small team, to focus on those much more impactful uh, efforts and keep their keep their team, keep their company safe and keep themselves sane. Right. And, and I, I think there's so much value in um, retaining good, skilled, knowledgeable people. You want people who are interested in keeping you secure and who are who are invested in that because they've been there for a lot of years. So finding ways to take away the tediousness and really maximize the the fun, interesting problem solving part of it, I think is is going to more than repay that. 
it's it's also a lot of fun though as in when you're when you're actually automating those tasks and you're saying wow that process took me like you know an hour or i was doing that 20 times a day and now it's just happening automatically and it's happening when i'm asleep that's very satisfying when you uh when you see that happen so but yeah as you say it's it, it keeps your staff happier it makes them yeah, it makes them stickier. And I think for those of us that, that view security as a little as a little bit of a vocation, it yeah. allows you to allows you to, you know, be a little bit uh, more content in your job that actually I'm, you know, I, I'm able to take that time off. I don't have to I don't have to be checking my phone to be like, uh, with that sort of Damocles hanging over your head. That's uh that's amazing because that typically is part of the job. Knowing the yeah. phone's going to ring, knowing you're going to get woken up in the middle of the night, um, knowing that you have to deal with, like you said, making six more uh, um, tickets for the same person. <laughs> and like in many ways, your phone is still going to ring. It's just that the process that it takes for your phone to ring, all of those steps are going to have to have happened already. And you should be in many cases already able to say, actually, that's a false positive. So we don't have to, we don't have to ring Jen. She can, she can continue sleeping. So <laughs> that's, that's excellent. So uh, I, I think that your survey went the extra mile by, um, uh, talking about skills analysts need to be successful. So I'd like to hear a, a little bit about them. What are, yeah, your, really what are your top now, three? Now, these are the skills that they say they need to be successful, which is not always the skills that the that the CISO will say they, they need to be successful. Okay. Uh, but but at the same time, it did, it did really highlight a few. Unsurprisingly, I think, as you said, a lot of people... They're they're a little bit afraid of uh, of of automation. They're afraid of um, they're they're not they don't they feel they don't have that, that the skill of being able to like reverse engineer malware, build out those detections, and scripting is something that every almost everybody that responded said actually I'd like to get a little bit more uh, more comfortable with. And um, there's a lot of engineers and analysts that know how to do that, but it was something that a lot of people wanted to improve. But I'll bet you that that scripting need is because they wanted to automate things, is exactly. because they wanted to to offload because some of the manual tools. Because they're like, I want to be able to get rid of this. I want to. I want to be able to move faster. I want to be able to, yeah, to, to do my job in a much more effective way. Was the was the reason behind it? The right. other things that they said they they wanted they wanted to understand a little bit more. So they wanted a deeper understanding of computer forensic techniques. So if something bad happened, to be able to investigate uh, exactly what happened. And then really interestingly, because I don't think this is um I, this was not intuitive to me at all. But a lot of people said they wanted to understand how to operationalize a framework. So specifically, MITRE came up quite a bit. What, what's interestingly interesting about that to me is that it suggests that a lot of the team or a lot of the respondents were thinking a lot bigger, that they're not, I just don't want to, I don't want to just build a detection for the sake of building a detection, that I want to have a little bit more structure and comprehensiveness to my program so that if we get uh, audited or if we're trying to improve that we know just how far along we are and that it's not just, you know, building something for the sake of building it. So I, I really like that as a skill that uh, that that they themselves called out uh, yeah. as something that they really wanted to they really wanted to focus on and they really wanted to learn. Um, I like that, that as well. Missing. I think some of the the best, most skilled, um, most valuable security analysts that I have dealt with are people who have that broad systems thinking, who know that if if this moves in this way, it's going to affect these six other things. And so um, operationalizing framework that actually doesn't surprise me now. Now thinking of it, but at first, yeah, yeah, I, I guess it, it does make a ton of sense. It's just it, if you'd asked me what I thought the results were going to be, I don't think I would have. Uh, I don't think I would have said that. Which means I'm probably not giving giving uh, security analysts and engineers enough credit. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. uh, there, there are some. Me. Yeah, there are some great ones out there. But 
you have so much deep knowledge um, and have been in security operations for so long. Uh, I'm going to throw some some surprise question at you, uh, which is, what do you think makes a good security analyst? I think there's a whole load of uh, a whole load of things. And um, for me, there's if when I'm looking, I look for people that have a little bit of tenacity. So that that like inch. And I'm not really sure how, I'm not really sure why, but they feel the need to go that little bit deeper. And they feel the need to ask that question. I don't actually understand that. Tell me why that's the case. Or something looks wrong here. And in many ways, I, I can't, I I look for the spidey sense, but you should never be building a program based on your spidey senses are tingling. But mm-hmm. what you should be looking for when you're hiring somebody is someone that says, I want to learn more. And I want to like pull out that string and keep on pulling until I understand it. Uh, and if you're, if you're looking to hire somebody, someone that wants to learn, someone that's that wants to like wants to consume as much knowledge as possible, but that notices actually something doesn't look right here is uh, you're, you're going to be look if if you can find people with that skill, you're going to be able to train them to uh, get train them to work work hard. The, the one thing that I'll say is that when I'm when I've been in a sock, there's been a whole lot of people with a lot of different skills. If I'm hiring as well, the other skill that I really look for is somebody that I can stand being beside at like <laughs> midnight. And if you've got people yeah. that are friendly and that you enjoy working with, that's going to be the most important. Uh, like it's, yeah, it's not, it's, it's, a, I, I'm very wary of, uh, very wary of saying like, ah, oh, culture fits because culture fit just leads you to hiring the same sort of people as you. And that will lead to a lot of bias, but at the same time, finding people that you want to work with uh, and that you enjoy working with is, uh, when you're when you're deep in a security incident, it matters a lot that the people that you trust the people beside you. Sure, so. there are people who are willing to be positive, willing to yeah. be happy, interested in 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 building relationships, and there are people who um, are not. Um, and the people who don't care about how other people around them are functioning um, are th- those are definitely harder to to solve the deep problems with. I also, I liked what you said about the spidey sense. You don't always want to trust it, but sometimes I find that those are people who recognize patterns, that yeah. they they see a pattern, they know something is out of that pattern. They're just not sure why. And then when you add what you just said about the tenacity going deeper, I think humility too. Yeah, absolutely. Humility is, and, and like knowing that, like, actually, I don't know. With, with, with security, like you learn very quickly that, you don't know a lot and uh, like th- that th- that in in many ways like a, an incident responder's job is coming up to speed on a lot of systems very very quickly that you know it's it's fair enough when it's uh, a very basic alert and you've got your process but once an actual incident happens you're diving into you know, an environment that stores credit cards you're like what are these logs tell me as much information as you can about these logs in 10 minutes because i need to be able to make a decision as to whether to keep this device online or not and yeah, that tenacity, that like the capability of asking those those questions is really, really, uh, is really, really important. Right. So. Right. So, any final thoughts before we close today? I don't think so. Uh, I think like I've I really enjoyed this. Uh, really enjoyed this conversation. I think yeah. If if somebody wants to check out the survey, times.com/sock, it's not behind a paywall or anything like that. Yeah. Um. And yeah, we've got another survey that's coming out about mental health pretty soon. This is Mental Health Awareness Month right now, so uh, that's uh, that's super important as well. Um, yeah, yeah times.com slash sock. Check it out if you want. Oh, you don't want you more. also have a podcast? We, I do indeed. Yep. So if you, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, Thomas Kinsla on LinkedIn, Thomas Kasek on Twitter. And then, yeah, if you want to listen to the future of security operations podcast, I've got a bunch of episodes. Uh, it's on all the major, pl- uh, 
all the major podcast platforms. But yeah, the Future of Security Operations podcast interview a lot of security operations leaders and how they deal with some of the challenges around yeah, analyst burnout, uh, but also tips, tricks, and learning from learning from their mistakes uh, and actionable best practices. So definitely excellent. I'm always looking for another good podcast to listen to in the in the security space. So I will definitely be one of your listeners. Um, thank, you. thank you again for joining me, uh, and I hope that uh, I get to talk to you again in the near future. Thank you, Janet. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for watching. To watch more episodes of Security Metrics podcast, click on the box on the left. If you prefer to listen to this podcast, it's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. See you on the slopes.